Do you know the story of Ron Wayne? Ron was one of the three founders of Apple Computer. You probably recognize Steve Jobs on the left, the guy on the right, Steve Wozniak. Guy in the middle, probably never seen before. But that's Ron Wayne. He was the oldest, most financially secure of the three. So 12 days into the new company, he became kind of concerned that the debt of being accrued might fall to him to pay off. So 12 days in, he sold his 10% share in the company back to the two founders at $400 a piece. Today, his 10% would be worth $200 billion. Talk about regret. There's not much worse than a missed opportunity. And there's not much better than being in the right place at the right time to seize the moment. One of the most well-known followers of Jesus, a man named Paul, says to believers in a letter that he wrote to the church in Ephesus, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Uh, this statement by Paul is one that's been ringing in my ears for the last 15 months as things have changed in our world so quickly. Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. We can't sit around being afraid. We can't just bow down and pray that everything is just gonna go back to the way it was. We can't just lament the things that we think are wrong in the world. We have to look to God for wisdom and make the most of the opportunities in our current season. I like the way some other English versions of the Bible translate this by saying, redeem the time, carpe diem, seize the day. Live every moment with some urgency because it's shorter than you think. Don't waste it. I'll tell you, after going through this very tumultuous year, I believe that this is what God has been saying both to us individually and to us as a church. So the purpose of this video is for me to give you a, a really clear kind of state of the church update. But I also, at the same time, I wanna challenge you. Let's all make the most of this opportunity. Now, before I get to the opportunities that our day presents to us, I, I want to do something I, I've not done enough in the, my 30 years here. I want to offer to you my sincere thanks. Last March, when churches all over our country and state were closing, we were among the last to close. I believe one Sunday, we might have been the only church having in-person services in Coweta County. And boy, did I hear it from some. What are you thinking? I, I would hear that from people on every side about every decision, it seems, for the next year or so. Where's your faith? Where's your brain? Do you care? That phrase seemed to find its home with every side. They were way more convinced that they cared more than those in leadership cared. But through it all, with the disagreement many of you felt, somehow we stuck together. Thank you. In addition, let me say thanks to those of you who were conscious to stay on mission. You were the ones who wanted to know, how is it we can continue to impact our community? Uh, how can I reach my friend? You didn't give in to what the rest of the pandemic in our country of, how does this affect me? You didn't just turn inward to your small group or your friends and to hell with everybody else. You stayed on mission even over this last incredibly unpredictable year. And it's because of you, and in spite of everything, God has continued to reach people through you. And I just wanna say, great job. 2020 will be remembered by me and many others as the year of the global pandemic that left many in grief and 
fear, economic challenges that made some wonder if they had enough or would have a job. It was a year of racial reckoning that brought peaceful protest and unruly riots to our cities and suburbs and political turmoil that divided friends and family. And through it all, somehow we stuck together. Now, the negative impact of all those crises, though, um, it's being felt by some of us and in our communities. In several ways, it's being felt. It took a toll on our mental health. Researchers are showing that 63% of young people are reporting substantial symptoms of anxiety and depression. Uh, that is way up. There's a financial crisis that we all went through that really impacted a lot of families. And because of that, the divorce rate is spiking and experts are saying it hasn't even reached its peak yet. Uh, these crises also impact us spiritually. 20% of churchgoers who were attending before the pandemic have stopped attending church. I mean, just in the last year, both in person and online. And that percentage is even higher among millennials and those younger, which was already there were 8 million who left the church between 2016 and 2020. Now, because of that and the financial realities, the Barnard Research Group is telling us that one church in every five may close in the next 18 months. So now more than ever, our world needs the church. Our community needs our church. Which leads us to this question. How are we doing? How's Community Christian doing? Well, from an initial point of view, I, I can not be more grateful or more proud of how we're doing. While the doors of our buildings were closed for a few months, the mission continued to advance. In just a few days after closing, our staff realized that most of what we had done, it just no longer applied. And we were all gonna have to change and adapt. And we flipped our small groups to online and we asked them all to meet every week, which had not been the case for a while. And even people who are old like me or older than me, they quickly adapted to new technology. The good news is, we now have more people, more consistently in small group now than we did before the pandemic began. And those groups, they're meeting more often and relationships and love are continuing to grow. We also, during this time, launched our Coweta Neighbor Initiative. And week after week, even when we weren't gathering, you brought food and supplies to be delivered to people who couldn't get out during this time. We never lacked for supplies. And then as our community partners, Bridging the Gap and the Salvation Army also ramped up their efforts, we just folded what we were doing into what they were doing and you continued to give. But through all of this, our staff quickly adapted as did those of you who give of your valuable time and your money. The area that's proved to be the most challenging has been children and students. And like our public schools, we found online efforts to be really difficult. But We've continued to try to innovate and we're starting to see some traction in that area. I, I will say that the thing I'm most pleased about is we've continued to help people during this time get back in touch with God. Through the use of Facebook and YouTube, we've had the chance to speak to thousands that we would not have ever spoken to before. When the pandemic first began, I, I put a simple way to reach out to me, offering prayer to people and I've now received thousands and thousands of requests to that simple little post. As it got shared, I had to take it down because it got shared so far beyond our immediate area that I just couldn't keep up with all the prayers coming in. And frankly, 
I, I just didn't know what to make of it. And then just a little while ago, I was serving with one of our community partners. And during the first few hours of being with people in need, I had several people tell me how those things had helped them. I met one single man who's raising two boys who, who both have some special challenges. And he had reached out to me for prayer. And that started him watching our online Sunday experience. And now he feels connected. He's been having to walk to a grocery store a few miles for food and has recently been able to get a car. And he attributes all of that to the work of God in his life through those efforts. Now, that's just a short story, but all of it goes back to the ministry that many of you are joined in right now that you make possible. That brings me to the fiscal point of view of how we're doing. We entered into March 2020 as one church, but having two physical locations. Our fiscal year runs from September to August. So when the shutdown happened, we were in the last third of our fiscal year and we were on pace to accomplish all of our financial goals and fully fund all the programs and our partnerships. I, I knew when the pandemic started that about 35% of our contributions came in during our in-person gatherings, which at 65% coming online and through the mail, we were already way better than most churches, but 35%, that's still a big chunk. And we just didn't know where it was gonna come from. So our staff did what they already do really well. They figured out how to pivot what they were doing and reduce our spending. And we ask you to consider making your giving online for the first time for many of you. And I'm so thankful to be able to report that even though we did see a reduction in giving, it wasn't 35%, it was about oh, 8%, which is just incredible. But the really good news is, is that when you think about it from the financial side, our buildings were closed for two months completely and we operated at a year at a reduced rate and our staff shifted all our work the same days on and off. So our offices were closed one day uh, a week completely. So we reduced our spending and in addition to that, we applied for and received the federal PPP loans, which allowed us to keep all of our staff paid and no one had to be laid off. Now, I do want to let you know that Lynn Upchurch, who had been serving part-time as children's director at our Sharpsburg campus, she did decide during this time to go ahead and retire. She's still an active part of our online community and she hopes to be back in person soon. The other thing that changed during this time is that our Ashley Park campus met in the Regal Cinema. Of course, all movie theaters closed and Regal has only reopened in the last few months. We took the rent money we were paying there and applied it to our mortgage balance at the Sharpsburg campus. And as of last fall, we are a completely debt-free church now. Now, with all of that said, I just wanna say thank you to all of you who have been consistently generous. Because of that, we've been able to give some unexpected gifts to our ministry partners to fund things that they really needed during this time and with plans to move ahead into the future with hope. Uh, that brings me back to what Paul said, make the most of every opportunity. Last March, during those early days of the shutdown, we were having a whole staff meeting, well, almost every day. And what I said in one of our staff was, this is our opportunity. Let's not see this as something that is a huge negative. Let's view it as being a brand new church that was placed in a land called COVID shutdown. And let's figure out how we can mobilize people to turn their feet to follow Jesus and learn from him how to do every part of their life. I said, the benefit we have is 
nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> the only way to fail is to hang our head and say, well, let's just hope we can get back to where it was in February 2020. Well, what does this give us a chance to do that we could not do before the shutdown? And over the next few weeks, we're going to teach around how we're planning to move forward and make the most of these times. But I want to end today with two things. One thing I want you to know and one thing I'm asking you to do. Number one, nothing that really matters has changed about Community Christian. By that, I mean we have the same goal that we have always had. Our mission is unchanged because, well, it's, it's not our mission. We're on the Jesus mission that he gave when he commissioned his first followers saying, hey, go to every ethnic group on the planet and make disciples. We're a Jesus church working and serving in the Jesus mission. One of the ways I've talked about this since we started is that we're a church for the one. And often really deep Jesus people think, I mean, we're a church, uh, Jesus, and he's the one. Well, that's true, but that's not what I mean. Instead, I'm pointing to the teaching of Jesus that he did in Luke 15, where he teaches back-to-back -back three stories in answers to the religious people who ask him to explain why it is he hangs out with such riffraff in their society. Jesus, why is it? Since you're a man from God, and you're so clearly a person who cares about living the way that God wants, why is it that you give an unbalanced amount of time to people who are nothing like you? Why hang out with them? Jesus tells them what become some of the most famous stories. The story of the shepherd and the lost sheep, the woman and the lost coin, the father who's got the lost boy. In every instance, something that was really valuable was lost. The person who lost it did a very uncultural thing to go find it. For instance, the shepherd has 99 sheep and they're with him, they're safe, but he knows there's one that's gone and he leaves the 99 to go find the one. And when he's found, there's much rejoicing by the shepherd. And for 30 years that we've been a church, we've been a church for the one. When we started, primarily I would say, we're for the person who grew up in church, but they've decided when they got old enough to decide they could go wherever they wanted to, they'd be better off without church. Of course, that was my story and the story of a lot of people of my generation. When we were out on our own, we did what we wanted, and once we found out that we needed God, often he was out of our memory, and the churches we grew up in were so judgmental that we didn't think we could go back to them. I said, we'll be the place where everybody, no matter what, what you've done, where you've gone, or what you become, Community Christian is the place for you. But over the last 30 years, the picture of who is in our area and the nature of the generations under 40, they're really different than my generation. By and large, because my peers were their parents and we didn't do much with God, well, our kids don't even have much thought about God. And at best, they consider what the Jesus movement has to offer as irrelevant at best and potentially harmful at worst. Now, just because they're different doesn't mean they're any less the wandering sheep that our great shepherd loves. And so even though the way we talk about it will have to change and the way we reach out to them will have to change, we will continue to be a church for the one that will never focus on those who are already in the Lord's pasture. We're a church for those who have not yet come. 
Because so many have turned away and they aren't even pretending to be Christian the way so many people my age did, our opportunity is even greater. We must make the most of every opportunity. When I was first following Jesus, someone shared, I guess you'd call it a poem written by Samuel Shoemaker that expresses people who are for the one, the one that needs to find their way to Jesus. And so I want you to hear this and for it to hopefully help form your imagination of the kind of people God is calling us to be. I stay near the door. I neither go in too far, stay too far out. The door is the most important door in the world. It's the door through which men walk when they find God. There's no use my going way inside and staying there. And so many are still outside and they, as much as I, crave to know where the door is. And all that so many ever find is just a wall where the door ought to be. They creep along the wall like blind men with outstretched, groping hands, feeling for a door that must be there. They never find it. So I stay near the door. And the most tremendous thing in the world is for men to find that door, the door to God. The most important thing that any man can do is to take hold of one of those blind, groping hands and to put it on the latch. The latch that only clicks and opens to the man's own touch. Men die outside. Starving beggars die on cold nights cruel cities in the dead of winter die for want of what is within their grasp. They live on the other side of it, live because they have not found it. Nothing else matters compared to helping them find it and open it and walk in and find him. And so I stay near the door. Go in, great saints. Go all the way in. Go way down into the cavernous cellars and way up into the spacious attics. It is a vast, roomy house, this house where God is. Go into the deepest of hidden casements of withdrawal, of silence, of sainthood. Some must inhabit those inner rooms and know the depths and heights of God. Call outside to the rest of us. How wonderful it is. Sometimes I take a deeper look in, sometimes venture a little farther. But my place seems closer to the opening. And so I stay near the door. The people too far in do not see how near these are to leaving preoccupied with the wonder of it all. Somebody must watch for those who would have entered the door but would like to run away. And so for them too, I stay near the door. I admire the people who go way in. But I wish they would not forget how it was before they got in. Then they would be able to help the people who have not yet even found the door. 
As for me, I shall take my old accustomed place, near enough to God to hear him and know he's there, not so far away from men as to hear them and remember they are there too. Where? Outside the door, thousands of them, millions of them. More important for me, one of them, two of them, maybe 10 of them, whose hands I am intended to put on the latch. So I shall stay by the door and wait for those who seek it. I had rather be a doorkeeper. So I stay near the door. For those of us who are the 99, we must commit ourselves to be for what our leader is for. We are for the one. We must discover who is our one? Who is the one or two that Jesus intends for us to reach? We will need to recommit to putting our desires and our wants second as we follow our leader who said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So we, along with him, will stay near the door and search for the one. That has not changed. Number two, we need you to take your next step, whatever that is. Just take your next step. If you're new around here and you're just figuring it out, would you pray? God, what do you want me to do to take one step forward toward following you? For some of you, that's gonna be making attendance a priority, coming and listening and continuing to pray. I know for sure since Jesus said the two things that matter most are loving God and loving people that if you pray that prayer, it's gonna lead you to get outside of your world that mostly contains you and yours and step into God's great big plan to use you to make an impact on something or someone in the world. And as you do that, you'll be shocked. He will also change your world that you've been so focused on. But if you continue to hold tightly and only focus on you, you'll wind up stuck. So maybe that's your step. Some of you who've been coming for a while need to take the next step out of the seat you're in right now toward connecting with God's family here. It could be serving on a team or just getting in a group. But the best of what God has for you isn't gonna be found sitting consuming a video. I mean, this matters and it is a step, but some of you have been at this step way too long. You need to pray for your next step. Some of you need to take a chance and you need to give. I'll add that some of you need to take the step of automating your giving. There are many of you who are committed to loving God and people through Community Christian and you want to financially support it, but you count on just remembering to, you know, do it on Sunday when you're watching the video, but often you, you just forget. When you automate your giving, you take your good intentions and you put it into practice and you have the joy of doing what God has asked you to do. And it helps us so much because we can see how much automated giving is planned and it keeps us from speculating and it allows us to plan and make the most of every opportunity, like Paul says, in a wise and sustainable way that is really us being good stewards. Still others of you, you've been around here for a long time, you're in a group, you're serving, and you've, or you've served in the past, 
and you give regularly, here's your next step. You need to ask God to give you wisdom about what new thing he might be doing that he wants you to do. Ask him to help you see what old things that you loved, old things that might have personally impacted you, that they might be gone, can be celebrated. But it's time for you to open up your hands for what's new so you can stay on mission with him. I know for sure if you'll do what I've been doing and say, God, you promise wisdom. I want your wisdom about how I finish my run well with you. What do you have in store for me in this next season of life that would be a challenge for me? I want to make the most of the opportunity that I have. And it's what Paul said. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I think by God's grace, he's given us his wisdom about how we're to move forward in the coming post-pandemic world. He wants us to seize the moment, to unify reaching the one, and taking our next step in following Jesus. And as for me, I am all in. No matter what it means for me personally or what changes need to be made, I am in. I'm asking you, prayerfully ask God, what does he want you to do? How can you make the most of the opportunity to seize the day, to make your life extraordinary as we follow Jesus together?